0: The book of Acts is the uh, story of the spread of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That uh, the early believers in Jesus, the early followers of Jesus, the church, as they began to to be called, as they began to spread throughout their part of the world and continually tell the story of Jesus and what was going on. The book of Acts is that early journey as the gospel began to spread so fast as those who'd been transformed by Jesus Christ and had believed in His life and death and resurrection began to share that with others. The book of Acts doesn't have a clean ending to it. There's no just like final word. It's just kind of, here's an, another event that happened and then it's kind of open-ended in order to say to the church that this is to be Continued. In other words, that we should still be writing more of the book of Acts as as God moves through His church today. In in the book of Acts, the primary characters, other than God, the Holy Spirit, are Peter, the Apostle Peter, who's a very strong leader of the apostles in the early church and the first several chapters of the book. And then it kind of makes a shift until... A man who formerly was trying to kill Christians becomes so radically transformed by Christ that Saul becomes Paul and the Apostle Paul kind of becomes the main character in the last half or last two-thirds of the book of Acts. But there are other very important uh, characters throughout the book of Acts. Uh, In seminary, I took a class on Luke and Acts together because Luke wrote both of those books and uh, came down to the final exam And uh, the professor threw us a curve on that final exam, which I still resent just a little bit to this day. Um, he, He put a huge list of names. Huge list of names, like a full page, single space of names. And you were supposed to mark true or false whether or not this person by this name appears in the book of Acts. And, you know, after a while they all start to sound the same. I mean Peter and Paul are pretty obvious, but you get into you know, of uh, you know, Dorcas and Linnaeus and and Thameathus and blah, blah, and you just like I, I I think that was and and it hurt my grade. I couldn't remember all those names. There's a lot of significant people. Peter and Paul probably the, the primary two, but today I want to talk about another one who was one of Jesus' uh, disciples and apostles and his name is Philip. And uh and how God used him in a unique moment, in a unique place and time. In Acts uh, chapter 8, beginning at verse 26, it gives us this story. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Now, that wouldn't have been uh, extremely rare. There were people from all parts of the world that would come and worship in Jerusalem when they had the great uh, Hebrew and Jewish festivals, Um, and this man would have been one of them. Not a Jew by birth, obviously, as you read this. Uh, Perhaps a convert to Judaism, maybe not. He may have been what they called a God-fearer, simply somebody who worshipped the one true God even though he was not a part of their their race and, um, and nation. It goes on and it says, And the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and now he was returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. And Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, And Philip asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And the man replied, How can I, unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of Scripture he had been reading was this, and this is from the book of Isaiah. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Observation, the first observation that that I would make to you today from this story that we just looked at. First observation is pretty simple here. Philip, the apostle, a follower of Jesus, found a seeker. He found a seeker, someone who was looking for truth, for meaning, for understanding, for help. He found someone who was seeking. A question that follows from that for us today is this, do you know a seeker? Do you know a seeker? You might even be one yourself today. But if you think about answering that question, you, you, you might say, well, I don't know anybody that's involved with the Ethiopian government. I mean, if that's what you're asking me. Um, I, uh, if by a seeker, if you're asking me, if I've seen somebody pulled over on the side of 290 uh, reading their Bible out loud. Where I could hear them as I drove by, uh, I haven't seen that lately. Nobody's stopped me in the grocery store uh, aisle and asked me to share the meaning of life with them this past week. You know, when it comes to identifying seekers, people looking for meaning, for truth, for understanding, for help, looking for God, I do think one thing we need to recognize this morning is people don't need to hang an I need Jesus sign around their neck for us to know that people are seeking. People don't need to do that. We know from our own experience and knowledge of life that people are seeking truth. Some more actively and more recognizably than others. Now, here's another observation. Philip started in talking about important things, and talking about the gospel, and talking about truth. Philip started where this man was. He didn't leap way ahead. He started where this man was, and then he connected the dots, if you will, to Jesus. He started where he was and took him to a point of telling him about Christ. When, when given the opportunity, if we know Christ as Savior, if we have a relationship with him, if he's changed our lives, if he's done the forgiving work, the, the cleansing work, the transforming work in our lives that, that we seek and that we were made for, if, if we know that to be the case, when we're given the opportunity where another person is seeking, we ought to be able to connect to their their needs, their concerns, and show how God's Word applies to that. How Jesus fits into that equation. And especially, we ought to be able to speak to them about how that's made a difference for us. And there ought to be a sense that when we when we begin to talk about spiritual things, about Christian things, about biblical things, there ought to be a sense of genuineness. That this isn't just some kind of academic knowledge to us. This isn't just some sort of religious thing that we observe. That there's something that lines up with our lives. If the people we're talking to, the people that are seeking, if they know us at all, If they have a relationship with us, there ought to be a sense that they know something about our lives lines up with what we're trying to share with them. If they don't know us well, and we're given the opportunity, I I truly believe that there ought to be some sense of that almost they could see the grace of God in our eyes. That they could hear it in our tone of voice. And that somehow that would convey a, a real conviction in their hearts that this person is connected to something, to someone that I'm looking for. I, I like the line in the, in the song that we were playing for the countdown before the service, the Casting Crowns song, Jesus, Friend of Sinners. And it talks about people looking for Jesus, but it says they're tripping Over me. And I think that the reference there is. Tripping as in stumbling. That our behavior isn't lining up with our words perhaps. And there seems to be a disconnect in hypocrisy. And they're tripping over that. We ought to be the same person. When we're sharing the truth. That we are when we're talking about. The ball game or the movie or the music or what we ate for lunch. There shouldn't be a disconnect. We shouldn't be changing into someone else. Oh, this person wants to talk about spiritual things. I need to put on my spiritual self. When I was in seminary, um, we had a class during a mini term, and I was trying to get through as fast as I could, and so I was taking classes when they were offered every mini term in the winter and in the summer and, and there was this uh, preaching class that was uh, was a, actually the class where I mean you literally wrote sermons and then preached them to your fellow students which is the worst audience in the history of preaching it's terrible it is terrible because uh, when you're that age early 20s everybody thinks they know everything they think that they're the best preacher in the world, and it just, and and I, I hadn't preached that much at that point through college or anything, just a handful of sermons, and and uh, y- you know, I, I had this identification with, with some people that I admired, and preachers that I admired, and that I wanted to be and sound like the same person when I was up there preaching as I was when I was conversing out there. I don't know if I've always succeeded at that and I won't name any names because there's some guys in that class that have become very good pastors or great guys. But, but I remember one of my classmates getting up in that little, the, the room was about half the size of this section right here. And it had a little stage and of course there was a pulpit. And I, I remember him getting up there and, and all of a sudden he went into this. He went, I want to speak to you today. About the saving grace of Jesus, the sanctifying grace of Jesus, and the sustaining grace of Jesus, and I was like, "Wow, I mean, who is that?" I th- I thought I knew this guy, but and and amazingly, another one got up uh, later, and um, the the room was about from that speaker to that speaker and he got up and he started in and he said i tell you today you need to be converted not perverted that's converted not diverted and and he was preaching to the walls and again i was like who are you or or who are you doing i mean who are you imitating i When we share the gospel, when we speak about the things that matter most, if we're a follower of Jesus, we don't need big words. We don't have to be poetic. It's nice if you've got that gift. We don't have to become somebody else. In fact, I think that's detrimental. We don't even need to have the ability to answer every question that the person has. That's not necessary. They might come up with a question that they want you to explain the whole problem of evil in ten words or less. They want you to explain something about the dinosaurs and how that relates to Jesus. And your answer might be, I don't know. I don't know. I was reading in my one-year Bible this week, and I know a lot of you are doing that, and I've seen a lot of postings on Facebook lately about people completing another book of the Bible and all that, and I think it's wonderful as we attempt this year as a church to try to have a major emphasis on that. This past Thursday, I was reading It was from the Gospel of John, and there was a story about one of the blind men that, was, that, that were healed by Jesus. And and there's some confusing questions that begin that story of people coming to Jesus and they're saying, whose sin made this man blind? Was it his or his parents? And Jesus was like, that's not even the right question. And said, the answer is that now this is so the glory of God can be revealed. After Jesus healed him, he was confronted by religious leaders that were hostile to Jesus. And they were asking him all kinds of questions about Jesus and about what he said, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and the man basically just said this I, I don't know everything about him, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. You don't have to know the whole Bible, you don't have to know all 66 books' names. But if God has changed your heart and changed your life through Jesus Christ, you can tell somebody what He's done for you. And there was a promise that Jesus gave to His disciples before His death and resurrection. He promised that there was going to come a day when they would stand before people and they would be questioned. And of course, they were more than questioned. They were Most of them were beaten and even killed for their faith. He said, there's going to come a day when you're going to stand before people asking all kinds of questions. And he said to them, don't worry about what you're going to say. Because the Holy Spirit will give you the words when you need them. I believe that's true. Even for us. Let me ask you this question. If you're a follower of Jesus today, can you, I'm talking specifically to you, can you lead someone to Christ with the help of the Holy Spirit? Think about that a moment. Can you lead someone to Christ with the help of the Holy Spirit? And I would just remind you today not to sell the Holy Spirit short. You say, well, Pastor, um, that whole thing is, that's why we have church services. That's That's why you're here. That's why we have you. That's why you've been to school and got your degrees and all that kind of stuff and that's why you 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 know we expect you to read the bible a lot and read other books that connect to the bible and that's why we have you that's why we have church services and and besides that some of you may be thinking besides that I don't really need to speak about this to people because I have a way of sharing the gospel that doesn't require as much as you know you seem to be talking about maybe Maybe you have some thoughts like this, uh, the creator of this, this video. Take a look at this for a second. Me. As Christians, we have a responsibility to share the gospel with others so that they can know about the salvation that Christ offers. There are many different ways you can tell people about Jesus, but only one way is the right way. Bumper stickers. Bumper stickers are the only effective way to tell the world the good news. They are short, they are funny, and they are powerful. When we try to tell people about our faith, our clumsy words get in the way, and it is often neither short or funny. But when we pay 275 dollars for that No Jesus, No Peace bumper sticker, and we slap it on the back of our car, we have completely fulfilled our obligation to share the gospel with the world. Because nothing wins souls for Christ, like a sticker with words on it. These have been Deep Thoughts from a Shallow Christian. Okay, don't get offended if you've got a bumper sticker on your car that says something about Jesus. And the no Jesus, no peace, I, I mean, that's, I think it's a good phrase. It has truth, so just don't get offended. Listen, I've had a fish on my car before, you know, it's not... It's not a problem. Now we know, we're chuckling because we know that it takes more than bumper stickers. You know that it takes more than preachers. It takes more than Christian music. The spread of the gospel to change lives and eternal destinies takes the church. The spread of the gospel to change lives and eternal destinies. And that that is what we're all about, isn't it? I think it is what we're all about in principle. I don't think, and this is even on me as a pastor and leader, I don't think it's what we're really all about most of the time. Do we really believe that what brings us together and what we primarily try to communicate and what has happened in our hearts and lives if we would stand and say or would step into the water and say, I am a follower of Jesus, do do we recognize that this is about changing lives here on earth and about changing someone's eternal destiny? And that requires changed people living it out. And at times, sharing their story and connecting those dots to Jesus. I want to make another observation, but kind of backtracking in the story to the very beginning of the story that we read today. Uh, Acts chapter 26, verse 27 there. It says, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And the simple point there is this. Philip was obedient when God spoke to him. Philip was obedient, which led to him being in the right place at the right time. You know, we we could... uh, we could take Philip's name and, and change it and, and put somebody else's name in there in, in your history. Hey, Pastor, what are, you, what are you talking about? If, if you know Christ today, if you've been changed by His grace and you've believed in Him and received forgiveness for your sin. And have made him Lord of your life. If if you know that, we could put somebody else's name in there to say this person was obedient, which led to them being at the right place at the right time, which has made an eternal difference in your life. Somewhere back down the line, somebody, some man, some woman, maybe even some boy or girl, was obedient which led them to being in the right place at the right time to make an eternal difference in their life, which made an eternal difference in your life. Your parents, your grandparents, or your friend or somebody who's influenced you. Somebody was obedient. They were in the right place at the right time. To connect the dots to Jesus... For somebody in your history, and that's transpired until you became a changed person, a changed life, a changed eternal destiny. You say, Pastor, that sounds good. It sounds good that I should be a part of a chain like that. You know, I, I, I get, you know, the concept that I ought to be able to lead somebody to Jesus but I I just don't even I wouldn't even have a clue where to start in the scripture you know I actually think that you probably know more than you think you do and remember we talked about this just a couple minutes ago remember who has promised to help you God The Holy Spirit. Almighty God, the Holy Spirit, has promised to help you and give you words and give you truth if you're given an opportunity and you're obedient. I want you to check out another passage of Scripture with me. It's in Romans, the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul wrote Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10, the beginning around uh, verse 5. And he talks there about uh, the fact that, that Moses wrote the law. And for Moses, as writing the law, the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its command. But then Paul says that something's changed through Jesus. Romans 10, verse 6, but faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth, and don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says the message, the truth, is very close at hand. It's on your lips and your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. And if you'll look right, if you've got a Bible, if you've got it on a new version or whatever, you look right here at Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. And here's truth that you could connect anyone who's a true seeker and wants to know Christ. It says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart That you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. And as the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. That covers everybody because Gentiles is everybody who's not a Jew. So the whole human race. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But Paul went on to say, But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the Scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. That line happens to be a quote from the book of Isaiah, that same book that the man was reading on the road. But not everyone welcomes the good news, for Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to have beautiful feet? Do you want to have beautiful feet? Now, my girls, my daughters Janae and Jana, for years now, have been mortified by the sheer whiteness of their father's feet. I mean, just... I could take my shoes off here today and really make Janae proud. Take my <laughs> shoes and socks off. I just there, there's just a, my feet for, you know, they I mean, I'm white, but my feet are really white. And uh, the simple explanation for that for me is you can't, you know, I can't work out all day in in the hot sun building things and fixing things with without shoes on. Okay, I can't play golf without shoes on. Isaiah's reference says, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. What, do you, what about you being the messenger? that brings the good news that changes somebody's life and eternal destiny. How beautiful is that? That you could be used that way. Could there be anything? Could could there be anything more beautiful? Anything more powerful? Than for you to be a messenger of the good news. If you have a worship folder today um, handy, inside, as there always is, there's a prayer card in there. And it, I'd like for you to take that out right now, if you would, if you have one of those. If you don't have one, we could probably get you one. If you slip your hand up. On our prayer card, it's pretty much the same every week. We, we added something a few weeks ago on a second line there called step out faith. And perhaps some of you have already filled, filled in things today. Your praise to God, it's always good. A, a need that you're asking the church family or the, or the pastoral staff to pray with you about, that's always good. Some of you are even honest enough to say, hey, I'm struggling with this hurt habit or hang up, and I really need God's, God's help with that. There's that second line there that says step out faith, and that's really designed for us to think about things that really require us being obedient and God calling us to something. If you need one of those cards, just, just slip your hand up. What I'm going to ask you to do today is under that step-out faith, if if you're a follower of Christ, I'm going to ask you to, to prayerfully consider the name or names of somebody that you would identify as a seeker. Somebody that you know is seeking but hasn't found the Lord. And I would ask you to not only write down their name but but I would ask you to pray the prayer over their name that says god if if you want me to be the messenger that communicates the good news to them i'm saying to you that i'm willing to be obedient And if you give me the right place and the right time, I'm going to trust you and your Holy Spirit to help me communicate to them what matters most. And when you write these names down, we're not going to publish these names for everybody to see. Pastors will look over them and and pray for you and pray for them. I I just want you to take a moment to just take that card and prayerfully think about that. In a moment I'm going to pray and after we pray we're we're going to sing and celebrate the truth about Jesus and the love that only he can give and has given. And our response to that we're going to give our offerings and if you want to place this card in the offering plate as it goes by you can do that. If you want to take a step and bring it down here and place it in this vessel in faith. uh, You're welcome to do that. Father, I thank you today uh, that somewhere back down the line there was somebody who was a faithful witness to somebody in the Johnson family that led my granddad, W.T. Johnson, to come to know you as a eighteen year old. I thank you that there was somebody somewhere back down the line that that communicated the good news about Jesus to the Crawford family that led my granddad J. T. Crawford to know the Lord and to raise his daughters to do the same. I thank you that somebody was obedient. And they were in the right place at the right time. Probably not with all the perfect words or knowledge. They were just there because they knew you and they were obedient to you. And Lord, I pray that you would awaken a few hearts, a few obedient minds of people who name the name of Jesus that sit in this room. And that we would be willing to be used by you to share the good news. To change somebody's life and eternal destiny. And I pray that we would do it with authenticity, with with grace and compassion and truth. And I pray that it would be more than words. It would be life to us. And give new life to someone else. I thank you that that has happened many times. And that's why so many of us sit in this room today. Lord, you know the other needs and burdens that we have. And we offer those to you and ask for your help and grace and healing. But primarily, Lord, today we ask that you would use us. And that you'd make our feet beautiful. And we pray this in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. Let's give, let's worship, let's pray.